Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. Today I have a very special guest, one of my favorite coaches, one of the most experienced coaches I know, and I'm lucky enough to call him one of my coaches, both professionally and personally, Andy. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? All recovered after an epic weekend of um, education at Level Up? I am. I mean, I'm not fully recovered, but I'm I'm great. I'm still buzzing off it, and I'm very excited for what is to come and I'm also really excited to talk about this but before I do I kind of want to I always forget this partly because the numbers change but how long have you been a personal trainer now? Uh, 22 years now so started back in 2000 um kind of got into not really by accident but kind of got into um I, I needed a job um I had wanted to be a professional footballer had got injured, um, decided that I was going to go to college, came up to college, and I was never one of these people that like I'm, I'm quite happy to just sit around. A little bit like you, but with less businesses, shall we say. Um, yeah. And I just needed, I, I, I wanted to earn money. Um, I wanted to earn some money. So, so I mate was running at the Radisson gym, funnily enough, where we were at Level Up at the weekend. So he was running the gym in there and asked if I wanted to come and work as a fitness instructor. Um, and then 22 years on, um, a few different places later I now have my own studio um, and um, have a few guys working within the studio um, alongside me obviously working with yourself your great self online as well as Catherine and Shona and yeah so it's it's been a fair kind of it's been a very um, enjoyable 22 years uh, I still have a massive amount of passion for it I, I, I love what I do I'm up at five in the morning and I'm up before my alarm um, just because I enjoy it I, you know it's 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 not a job it's it's not a job it's something that's just comes naturally I think well you've actually said this here it isn't a job it's a vocation but before yeah. I will I will let you elaborate on that before but before yeah. we do, something that's always amazed me and inspired me about you is that you know given you've been done, doing this 22 years and any other personal trainers that I know that have been doing it for such a long time have either moved into like managing management or something or like moved off like they aren't personal trainers anymore or they they don't have the same thirst for knowledge I think that's what impresses me so much about you it's like you're 22 years later and you don't stop learning and you're you're always happy to learn from new people and like realistically when we first started working together I had a pinky of the knowledge that you have right but you were never like I don't know it never felt like you were like I feel like I'm above this person because I've been doing it for this amount of time like that's I've never had any feelings like that with you or how that's been interpreted like by uh, or how you could see yourself like that in regards to other people you're always like what can I learn from this person or how can I develop as a better coach myself which I think is an incredible thing after the amount of time that you've been a coach but I also think it's probably why you're such a successful coach as well is that is that you're you're not done so then you're not bored so then you keep progressing so then you learn more so then you become a better coach and I hope that's something that I mean 
I've been doing this now for 10 years and I still have the thirst for it. And I hope that in the next 10 years, it will be exactly the same and I'll never be like, you know, I'm done with this. And it changes so much. Like there is always more to learn. There's always things that you can do differently. And I would say even in the last couple of years, I'm like, I'm a completely different coach than I was even two years ago, like wildly different. And what I think is more important now would be completely different. If you'd asked me like, what are the fundamentals two years ago? you would have got a completely different answer than now. What I think is really important about, say, for example, getting clients results. So it's interesting that you keep learning and growing. And then now I kind of think, yeah, no, I've kind of figured it out. But I'm sure in two years, I'll be like, no, completely different viewpoint again. So yeah, it's really interesting. I'm very excited to have you here for this episode. And I was looking through something that you sent me to look over, which is your kind of coaching fundamentals program that you're Mm. developing. Yeah. There are a couple of things in this that I thought would be interesting to look over so one of them is your coaching fundamentals I don't know if you've got those up we shall have I do right so these I'll read them out to you and you can kind of elaborate on them so there are five coaching fundamentals number one building rapport and relationships yeah I think it's it's I think one of these things that you see when you know personal training's developed a lot in the past 20, in 22 years i've been in it it's developed even probably more so in the past sort of five years with sort of the, the addition of stuff like online coaching because sort of taking a, a more of a forefront but the basics still remain the same it's about building rapport and relationships you know this there used to be a um it's one of the things i used to see with new coaches coming onto the gym floor I think a lot of people thought that because they'd just done their level three personal training qualification that people are going to start flocking to them. So it's like the Lynx Africa advert. You spray yourself a Lynx Africa and all these people just come piling towards you because you're now a personal trainer. You now people want to come and learn from you. But in actual fact, you know, that's the, just that's just the start of the journey. Like, you know, you've got to be able to understand people. You need to be able to sort of dig deep into things like, you know, you know, you know yourself, it's like, you know, personal training can be like a, a therapy session. You know, there are some, you'll understand you, correct me, my, my clients, you know, I've had clients now for 20 years, you know, and they know they can do this stuff themselves, but they still like that schedule appointments, etc. And so much so when I got married, you know, I, I, just me and my dad are in, uh, are the only family I have. Um, so I actually had one of my clients, Maggie, come up and do my hand fastening, like my, what my mother would have probably done if I had a mum. So, um, you know, it's these are the kind of relationships, and don't you, you can never look beyond that. Like relationships are so important across the industry. Like the weekend there, you know, different really new relationships with other coaches. You'll always learn things. You're building rapport. You're speaking to other people. That gets you more confident with speaking to to clients. You know, it's it's just a, it's a big. It, it all comes together nicely. Mm-hmm. Do you remember doing the maths when you first qualified? Of like, okay, if I can charge forty pounds an hour, then I'll just work this many hours, and then I'll make this much money. As if it was going to be that simple. Of like, well, oh yeah, personal trainers make this much an hour. Great, and you don't think about yeah. like rent or expenses or actually getting clients or maintaining clients or like further development and CPD, like all of these things. It's it's interesting that like, I remember thinking that. And sometimes I think looking into other industries, people think that as well. They're like, I don't know, I went to get my hair done and it was 
80 quid and you're like what the hell these these hairdressers must be making so much money blah 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 and then you think what about the rent of the salon what about like all the products that they use what about their training their qualifications and staying yeah. up to date with those things and the scissors that need to be specially sharpened and all this stuff like they're not taking home 80 pounds or whatever I just said it was yeah I think I think um, if you were to look through the adverts of personal training qualification the, the, quali- the folk that do the qualifications there was a long time where it was very very missold about what you could earn in the in the fitness industry, earn forty grand a year six months after qualifying as a level three PT. Excuse the language, but fucking good luck with that. That's no chance unless you are the only personal trainer in a country that your population and the place where you're at is humongous, and you're still the only person. You're still going to struggle to get that if you can't get the the, the relationships and and the the working with people right. Um, but even then, what I will know, say that. You're right. For the vast majority of people, that's unrealistic. But it's not like it's not impossible, and certainly isn't impossible now. Like no, no. Especially if you have the right people showing you what to do, and hopefully you'll get a lot from this podcast. But like, I have people on AFM that quite quickly jump up to that level and beyond within actually relatively short periods of time. Again, but that's that's comes back to you saying you know you need to. It's it's the investment in yourself. It's it's going out and doing the courses that you need to do to to knowledge to, to level up your knowledge to mm. you know finding potentially a mentor that's going to work with you to help you develop your business but also to help develop your nutritional skills you know your training skills all these things you know it's you know it's you know exactly as you said you know a hairdresser can't just pitch up with a shite pair of scissors and expect to be like working in Vidal Sassoon tomorrow they're going to have to work to get that to that point and if you have the right people around you, that transition can be quickly. But when you looked at like, I think it was like the training room or something, earn 40 grand a year as a personal trainer. Once you've done your level three, there is no, they don't give you any more advice. You've ticked the box, you're off. Find your own way now. So you've got the, the basics, but it's the rest of it that you need to work on. The rest of the development of your education, your knowledge. And that comes from working with people like yourself, you know, you know, I, I, the reason I ended up working with you is because I spoke to you because I wanted to develop myself online before you'd actually done anything to do with AF mentors. So, what five? We were working at this about five or six years ago, and I was like, "Look, I need you to help me. I'm, I'm a kind of burnt out personal trainer. I'm fucking tired. I'm not, not that I wasn't enjoying working with people, but I need to have more time to be able to. I need to have more time." Um, and I spoke to you and you helped me with that stuff and it kind of reinvigorated me, you know, it kind of got my knowledge, my, my thirst for the job back. And, you know, that's, you know, a, a massive thanks to you for, for helping put me back on the track on it. But that's what you, that's what you need. You need people around you. You need to have these resources around you to be able to help you get to where you need to be. But you also need to have like the balls and some kind of, sometimes like, even what I was saying before, like, one of the most impressive things about you is you don't have an ego so you weren't like well I should be doing this because you know I've been a person you you're, you were never like I deserve online clients because I've got this much experience you're like how do I do that like I don't actually know how to do this so I'm going to ask someone else because they know how to do this do you know what mm. I'm going to pay for their time as well because it's worth that and I'm showing that I respect that and that it's worth it and that I want to learn from them and I think that is stepping out of your way and like going and finding that as well especially when it's not offered like I wasn't doing mentoring 
yeah that that in itself is like i'm going to go and source these people and see who i can learn from and that's that's one of the things i've always looked at across my you know the career of what i've done you know i was very lucky as a youngster to be have the ability to to have good coaches around me so my dad my dad worked like a like a blue arse fly. He worked seventeen hours a day, chucking me around from school to music lessons to sport. Um, but he also did the the extras. Like um, I was chatting to somebody at the weekend. I worked with a guy called Steve Black, who was one of Johnny Wilkinson's coaches, because um, he lived quite close by. So I got the, the I got the, to be able to go and train with him in a gym at eleven years old, which for my dad was always like you need to learn, you need to keep developing yourself so my dad's the same my dad started off in agriculture as a tractor driver became a an agronomist who told farmers what to put on their crops chemical wise taught himself how to build and sell computer build computers um was a chemical salesman he, he, honestly every time it's like keeps f- keep furthering his own knowledge and i looked at that and went you know what like that's that's not beyond my remit i i should be doing that because if my dad can do it i can do it and so i had a pretty good role model for you know I, I, for you know the whole thing of not having an ego and going, do you know what? If I need help, I, I need to ask for it, and I need to find the person that resonates with me and how I learn. So that's generally what I did. Yeah, and the luckiest people and the people that get the most opportunities are the people that go out and freaking find them. Don't wait for them to like fall fall on their lap. Like I hate yeah. the saying of like, "What's for you won't go by you." Like it absolutely will go by you. All yeah, of and it, it'll, all of it will go by you. Like you can't disappear in the distance. Just like end up there you have to go out and find this stuff and if you know there's something that you want to do I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I can't remember it actually really wasn't a good podcast I remember thinking I need to change this and find something else but I anyway I I was like busy and I couldn't whatever I listened to some of it and the the things that did resonate with me a little bit were this woman who was just kind of explaining all of the different ways that she did a little bit more than other people like what are the examples which I did think was quite cool, was she really needed to get a meeting with her boss's boss, right? Which is like so far above her head that she would never get a meeting with them. And all, all of his booked meetings were booked up for months. And she was like, I need to show him this project now. And so she was like, how can I do this when there's no meetings to be booked, right? Without just rocking up at his house, which would be wildly inappropriate. And she found out that he went to the, the gym at the place that she works every morning at 6am. So she went and spoke to the gym instructor and she was like, can you please? And this was before just like, I'll just record a podcast and put it on. Like she went and got like a tape recorder and put on a tape and said, you know, I'm going to play this while you're working out. It's the new project idea. I really think it's going to help X, Y, Z. I hope that's okay. And he listened to it while he was working out and loved the idea and anyway she got like we went through whatever she got the outcome that she wanted but it's little things like that that like instead of just thinking well you know what his meeting schedule is booked up so there's nothing I can do about it I guess I'll just have to wait three months or or, or kind of just like self-defeat like you know what there's nothing I can do she's like how can I think outside the box and this is what you really need to think about with your coaching like so many people are like what should I do on social media or how can I get more clients the answer is not probably not something that's going to come out of my mouth. Like do something that someone else isn't doing. Do a little bit more. Do it a little bit differently. Like put yourself out there in a different way. So you're not doing, you're not just adding to the noise of everyone else. Like the most common thing is there's so many online personal trainers, like, and there's so many people posting content. Like, how can I stand out? Do it differently. Do something differently. Attract them in a different way. Maybe you don't get your clients from Instagram. 
shock right maybe mm. you go and and do stuff in person maybe you yep. go and figure out where your clients are maybe you go into workplaces maybe there's so many ways you can do it and we're so fixated on just what everyone else is doing if you really want to get in front of people there's always a way like there will absolutely be a way and the people that get further ahead are the ones that are like I'm not just going to stop because at the moment Instagram doesn't seem to be getting me there actually I know what I want that was just one tool I was going to use to do it actually there's numerous ways to get in front of clients and to give them messaging and to get like allow them to get to know me and to trust me and for me to give them value so that they want to reciprocate that absolutely yeah sorry that was a bit of a rant wasn't it right the the second thing I want to talk about um was communication which is I know something that we talk about a lot on commit to six and you're very much you know communication is a two-way street always trying to reiterate that to clients so that we can get the most from them as well I like the way you put this in your coaching fundamentals because I think as personal trainers we should probably take you know it is a two-way street but let's say we take 60 65 percent of the the ownership to create that environment where people feel like they can communicate Absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, through the course, course, one of the things I've always said is that communication is becoming a lost art. I think people start, you know, so many of us in the coaching sphere seem to have this um, this fear of not being able to, or not being able to speak to people and to communicate. And I get it. And I understand that. And we always talk about stepping outside your company comfort zone which is what you need to do but you also need to remember the customer stepping outside their comfort zone so they're just as equally uncomfortable as you having the conversation trying to get them to potentially come on as a as a client and so it's a, exactly there it's a two-way street you know they're just as uncomfortable as you are um, but we also just need to realize that you know communication is such a massive thing how are you supposed to get out your content if you're not communicating properly? How are you supposed to get across good coaching cues if you're working with people in person if you can't communicate? You know, we need to, unfortunately for a lot of people, you need to understand that um, communication is about stepping outside your comfort zone. And you need to be able to converse with people from, you know, from school kid age right the way up to people who are pensioners because you just don't know who you might end up working with. You know, and again, something that, you know, I, I I generally base a lot of this stuff on things that, you know, lessons I've learned in life. You know, um, my dad was massively, massively um, would push me to step outside my comfort zone and speak to people. And hence the reason I enjoy speaking to people. Hence, I enjoy being up and uh, being center stage. It's not an ego, but I just enjoy doing it. Um, and, you know, at the age of 10, I would be playing football with my dad. And then I would go to the pub afterwards for an orange juice. And I'd be sitting amongst guys that were 60, 70, 80 years old. And they'd be asking me how school was going. And they'd be telling me stories, some very inappropriate stories. But, you know, at 10 years old, that's the kind of stuff, you know, I was very lucky that I had been pushed into that place where communication was how you how you got over these stories. And I think, you know, that's the end of the day, you know, selling to a customer or a client is a story. It's a story at the end of the day. And you have to get... You, you you have a start, you've got a middle part of it, and then you've got the end point where hopefully the customers, the client signs up with you. But you have to be able to communicate that properly and you need to also tailor it to how they need to listen. So that's, that's another big one with communication is, you know, not everybody's going to listen and learn the same ways. You know, so, you know, I I was 
I was fucking awful at school. And the reason being is because 90% of my teachers didn't really know how to get and help me learn. And I had my biology, had two biology teachers who genuinely did really well in biology because they knew what I needed to do to learn these things. And they, they plugged into me straight away and they're like, right, you're fucking mouthy, you, you're loud, you don't shut up. So what we need you to do is we need to do this. That's perfect. Oh, happy days, I'm away, off I go. And that's another one that you're going to have to work with the clients is realize that all clients, everybody's different. We're all different. And we all have to be, we all have to be communicated to in a slightly different manner. Um, and that's just, you know, that's, that's part and parcel of the coaching experience. Yeah, and it's even harder online because if you're any good at kind of reading body language or tone of voice or just like little things that you pick up on then with a face-to-face client you can kind of tell like do they like tough love do they like it when I explain it like this like do they want even little things like do they want to end the conversation because you can notice the web like when people cross their arms or they take a step back or they kind of lean in a certain way like maybe without thinking about it that you're actually picking up on these things like you're usually picking up on these things it's harder online because you don't have those physical cues. So you have to work even harder to do that. And when you were saying like, it it can be uncomfortable, like that communicating with people, it's do bear in mind that as a personal trainer, it's probably more uncomfortable for your client. Like you are essentially in your comfort zone. Like this is your place of work, whether it's in the gym or whether, even whether it's online, like, it's your place of work it's your comfort zone and they're stepping into it especially with the gym like it actually could be somewhere that they don't feel comfortable a lot of the time when people when clients start they aren't comfortable in the gym that's maybe part of the reason that they want someone there to show them what to do and to give them that confidence and the same is true a little bit with online where you know that you're they may not be as comfortable to open up as you are which is why I'm kind of saying it's so much of the onus is on the personal trainer you might find that given this given different personal trainers the same individual will open up to different levels because of potentially how well they know like and trust you like how much of yourself you're putting across I have a lot of clients open up to me pretty quickly because they feel like they already know me do they no of course not but they have potentially listened to 500 hours of me talking in their ear so actually I mean to an extent they kind of do know me but they do trust me and they know that I know what I'm talking about and they know that I care and they also know how those potentially personal things or vulnerable things will be like reacted to like they know that it's a safe space because they already trust me now if you don't have that that level of content online or you're not showing up consistently it does impact every area, of your, every area of your business. Like, yeah, for sure, marketing, the obvious one, right? Are you showing up? Are you in people's heads? But also, like, the results you get with clients. Like, are they willing to open up to you? Do they know that if they say, do you know what? I massively over ate this weekend. You're not going to tell them off. That You're actually going to be like, thank you for telling me. Now let's work out together how we can make sure that doesn't happen next time. Yeah. There's so much important things of even if it's a one-way kind of communication stream of podcasts, because that's one way that you can build this no like trust online, that's really important as well. And that will help on so many levels that people probably don't think about, but also just like people opening up to you and being open to sharing these things with you. And especially online, if someone doesn't feel like they can be honest with you or communicate with you, you can't coach them. 
Someone yeah. who will not communicate with you cannot be coached. It's like you well, everybody will have had text message or messaged or WhatsApp somebody and then they get a sort of there's radio silence for a couple of days and they were like, that was a really shitty message that you sent me. And it was never meant to be a shitty message because you can't read tone and text. You know, it could have just been like, a, it could have been a, a bit of a joke, but, you know, it's exactly that. You know, online is so much more difficult to be able to tap into that. But, you know, it's asking the right questions and, you know, making sure that they, you know, it was, it was actually quite nice on that level up at the weekend because folk were coming up and going, oh, I feel like I know you. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's and um, you know, it's it's nice for people to come up and be like, you actually sound like you do in, in the podcast. I'm like that going, I really don't. I hope I don't sound like that because if you ever listen to yourself back. Well, like, you do because that's literally a recording of your voice. <laughs> exactly. But you kind of sit and hope and go, I hope I don't actually sound like that, but you do. So, yeah. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that is the truth. Um, But that is nice. Uh, So the next thing I want to talk about, because I've been thinking about this a lot as well, is you mentioned setting realistic expectations or just, but I think you just said expectations. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we see, I know it's a bugbear of yours as well as the whole, you know, um, people setting transformation challenges and stuff. The reason being is because, you know, number one, we discuss this regularly that there's one winner and potentially 100 people there, which makes 99 people feel like shit. But also as well, like, you know, you're saying get shredded in six weeks. You're going to have like a, a, a IFBB physique in six weeks. So setting expectations is really about knowing, A, your limitations with the client. So understanding that they are a human being. They don't have a full day to be able to prep meals. They don't have seven sessions a week that they can go and train because they've got a busy life. And it's setting expectations that are reasonable that if you can then put them slightly higher than that, look at the motivation levels you'll get from that. Like we've set this, we've set this bar, but you fucking exceeded that bar. You know, number one, look at the results we're getting now. And number two, just think of what that does for somebody's thought process. Shit, man, I'm doing, I'm smashing this. Like straight away, you've got motivation. You know, and we t- we say this regularly. You know, you'll not find motivation. You need to go and look for it. And setting reasonable expectations and making them exceed those are as as how we, you know, is one of a, a really good way of motivating people. Um, and it just helps. It helps. Um, you're trying not to, you know, you you look to distinguish yourself against other coaches. You know, you get loads of people who it's basically fake advertising. It's false advertising. They tell you you can get this, and if you don't get it, they, they show that they show the two transformation pictures that managed to do it, forgetting the seven, eight people that actually never got anywhere close. And this out of that, 30 of them lasted a week and never came back. So rather than doing that, I would rather set reasonable expectations and get all 80 people through the time that you're working with them and getting results and you know it's exactly as you know something that I obviously I've, I've taken on from you is the whole embracing imperfect action it's just continuously ticking boxes and making sure that people understand that we're not trying to be perfect and that's as a coach we're not perfect we're not perfect so why are you setting unreasonable expectations for somebody it just it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer I truly think that so much, if not all, I haven't worked through this yet, but dissatisfaction comes from unrealistic expectations in all areas of life. Like even if you think about your expectations of friendships or partners or work or how many clients you're going to get, like actually 
that's what makes you dissatisfied. It's not really the outcome itself. It's what your expectation of that was. And interestingly, so much of the research on happiness comes down to if you set really low expectations and exceed them, you're more likely to be happy than setting high expectations and, and always falling short of them. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting like setting really low expectations all the time, but I think yeah. so many people have unrealistic expectations, then no wonder they're dissatisfied. And when they're dissatisfied and unhappy, they're much less likely to continue to do the behaviors that will get them results. And this is true, you know, for fat loss, which is probably where most people's heads go. Like these, these are my clients, but it's also true for yep. you as coaches. If you have an expectation of I'll hit a 10 K month, if I do X, Y, Z, and then you added a thousand pounds to your income and you're pissed off, even though that's actually a really, you know, incredible achievement, then you'll be dissatisfied because you had these unrealistic expectations or these very high expectations and what I'm not saying that unrealistic is they're never achievable. But what I am saying is that you've set yourself up for that dissatisfaction. And that will mean that you're then less likely to put more effort into your business to keep going. So I do think that just broadly in life, like actually where you set your expectations massively impacts. And sometimes it's almost unavoidable. And I was thinking about this a little bit recently and this wasn't the example I was thinking about, but actually, let, like, I'll just use this anyway. We normally get, in fact, I think the best intake we've ever had for Commit to Six is about 135 people, right? I now have that as an, like, as an expectation. I'm like, well, if we hit, normally I'm like, I want at least 100, right? Mm. But if you'd asked me last year when we were hitting maybe like 70 an intake or something, if I'd be happy with, 80 I would have been like yeah that would be freaking, that would be great like whatever would be great but you kind of set yourself these expectations based on what you've done before or based mm. on like previous times and I was thinking this and the other one of the other intakes that we did I think we hit 100 but the one before we'd hit 135 right and I was annoyed that we only hit 100 but I was thinking if we'd never hit 135 the time before this one would have been the best intake we've ever had. Mm -hmm. I would have been buzzing with it because I now have this other expectation. And sometimes it's good to remind yourself of that. It's like, yeah, okay, you had this one really, really good intake, but don't let that kind of ruin like the next intake just because it's not as high because you've now set the, this barrier up for yourself or this like target up for yourself. And it kind of links into something you say towards the end of your talk, which is, passion is the reason that you got into the industry don't let that fade and it reminded me of that because I, I mean I'd be so happy with 100 people the fact that I can't get over the fact that 100 people would want to pay to work with me like mm. or with us as a team like that is just the, the biggest compliment and, and put me back a couple of years and, and you say you know you'll have an intake where 100 people want to work with you I'd be like this is like the coolest thing ever I'm so excited I'm so excited do you know what even if it was like a hundred of people have signed up for free to work with you I'd be like wow a hundred people like that's that mm. they even want to like pay attention to me or or even a uh, hundred people have listened to the podcast I'd be like oh my god like for an actual whole 20 minutes or an hour or however long it was like I would be over the moon and I think it's so easy to forget that because now I'm like, yeah, but I've hit a million listens on the podcast and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
I'm I'm very aware of reminding myself, take yourself back a couple of years and actually think, do you know what? No matter where you are on on like on the trajectory, on your journey, on whatever, or how successful you are, or how many listens you have, or clients you have, the fact that even anyone wants to give up their time to listen to me, I've made sure that that will never like go by me. Like I think that's incredible. The fact that you know, if you're listening to this podcast now, you're probably about 28 minutes in. And the fact that you've decided to give that time to Andy and I, like I appreciate that so much. And it, you're right in this sort of, this uh, narrative of like, it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to forget that this is your passion and get fixated on the numbers and fixated on the outcomes and forget to like enjoy the journey essentially that actually mm. cool that on a Wednesday at 2.30 I get to talk to one of my best mates who we now work together we've built a pretty incredible program together like and now we can essentially pay ourselves to do a podcast together like it's it's a pretty phenomenal feeling right yeah I think it's I think it is as you know it's I think it's one of those ones where like I always as I said at the start, you know, I'm up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I'm I am extremely fortunate that I'm in an industry that I love to be in. Like, I had a little bit of a down spell where, you know, things were just, I just found things a bit of a struggle and then obviously started working with you and that's been the sort of reinvigoration, you know. I was kind of that thought process of, I'm getting fucking old, what am I going to do with this? But, you know what, for me, age has always been a number. I don't know why that's stuck in my head but it took for you to give me a kick up the arse to get me out of it and since then I've not looked back it's a case of you know this is I'm very very lucky to do what I do I get to work with some amazing clients I get to work alongside some amazing colleagues and some and as we said the really good mates and you know what what more can you ask for you know this to think that I work in a gym holy shit like if you told me that when I was at school I'd have been like fucking give me that I'll do it but, you know, sitting here 22 years after finishing high school with fuck all, um, you know, to sitting where I am now, you know, that's as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm a winner. You know, it's and I think you're right. You need to keep looking back and going, you know, this it's a journey that we're on, you know, and the journey that I'm on is continually learning. You know, that's the joy for me. The joy is I hated school. I absolutely hated it. I, I didn't want to go. I didn't. I, I tried to take too many sick days. Um and probably the main reason is because it wasn't the way that I needed to learn. But, but you know, coming into an industry that is full of people who are educated and full of smart people, you know, I got told this by a very, very smart coach who I worked with for a bit called John Meadows. He passed away last year um, at 51. But he said his one of his ones was, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And that has stuck with me and I surround myself with extremely smart people and I learn from them. Like you are genuinely one of the smartest people I know. Like, honestly, it's like, you're in the wrong room, Andy. (laughs) I'm not, but I'm not, I'm I'm not like, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because obviously we're good mates, but genuinely like I will, I'll take away stuff from this that I'll go fucking, I didn't even think of that, you know, at level up at the weekend, you know, and you learn from everybody. And I think this is the thing that everybody needs to learn. It realizes that, no matter if you're working with, you know, uh, potentially when I worked with, you know, a 13-year-old rugby player to a 73-year-old triathlete um, and everybody in between, you learn from every single one of these people you work with. And, you know, that for me is, it's a 
I hate using the word, but it's a humbling experience that you're picking out so many gems of knowledge from people that you work with and or work alongside, work with, you name it. And, you know, and I think that's the, the, the joy, you know, I've, I didn't lose my passion for the industry. I lost my way. And all I needed was to be set back on the right path again. But I'd always loved this job. Like it's something that if you told me this when I was 14, I would have been like, ah, you're talking rubbish. But 22 years later, I've, I, I I don't know what else I would do, <laughs> honestly, because I, I don't, I wouldn't have the same job satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. I always think that about learning from others. I think so many people, again, it's like taking initiative on things. So many people wait for someone to teach them something. And I'm like, it's your job to figure out what they know that you don't know. Like, it's your job to ask good questions, to be inquisitive, to listen, to make sure you're not always the one that's talking because otherwise you're, you're only, you know, you already know what's in your own head. If you're always the one that's talking at someone, you don't actually learn that much. You want to get what they know in their head out. And that's really the interesting part. That is actually what I miss a lot about face-to-face coaching mm. is that that was always my thing with clients. I'd be like, oh, I wonder what they know that I don't know. And usually a fuck ton of stuff, right? <laughs> but also yeah. people are in like different industries and I just find all that stuff so fascinating. And there are always links. Like the best content I do is usually some kind of analogy or some kind of a link between this and this or something I've learned from a different industry and taken into like the application for coaching. Those are the most like impressive or useful or insightful bits of content or research or just like observations. And I think Mm. one thing, because you keep coming back to saying like you kind of lost your way a bit and then you got back into this. And one thing that I keep thinking about is it's very hard to be a really busy face-to-face personal trainer I really struggled with it. Now, part of this is like personality types. You can say that if you're an extrovert and you just get energy from people, fine. But I just struggle to comprehend how someone can give eight quality sessions in a day back to back with no breaks. Like it's so hard. I really struggled with like anything over three. I think by my fourth session back to back, I was I was pretty spent. And I think one of the things for you or like what what changed when we and we started working together is that you can split your time like online is so different than face-to-face yep. that actually they kind of give each other energy so you can sit on your laptop and do the work that you need to do and then you've got a client and that engages you in your face-to-face and you're chatting to someone and then you go back to your laptop and I think for a lot of a lot of the time like change is as good as rest mm, like yeah probably slightly too many calls today but between calls I've been doing like bits of work and the calls like excite me and I'm engaged and I'm listening to you and I'm I'm in this conversation. And then after it, I'll go and do some work. Now, if I'd just spent the whole day doing calls, I'd be dead by now. And if I'd just spent the whole day doing and actually today kind of like admin type work, I would also be dead by now. So I think splitting your time doing things, and this is why I'm always coming back to the law of diminishing returns, because once you spend a certain amount of time doing something like the quality of work that you're putting out just really isn't as good as it as, as it was when you started which means you change, you do something else, you go for a walk, you do a, I don't know, do a call. Like it doesn't have to be total rest. It just has to be something different. And I think that might be, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the keys for you was like, okay, I don't just have to do this. I love this, but to be honest, too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing. So actually four or five clients a day, perfect, love it. Yeah. 
eight clients a day. Now I'm kind of starting to resent this now. And that's it. You know, it's something I, you know, I, I try to tell people that, you know, I, I, gen- I usually get quite a lot of sort of people asking for advice about starting as personal trainers and stuff. And I think the number one things are number one is for me is you plug your training, program your training into the day before you put in your clients in. So you've got that break for yourself. So you've got some time to train. Um, but also as well, like I place I worked at before I came to the studio, like I put my prices up because I didn't want to work with anybody else. I reached it and I didn't want, so I put my prices up. And folk are like, you sure you want to, you sure you should do that? And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Put my prices up because I'm, I value myself at that. And actually I still think I'm cheaper than that or I should be charging more. So actually it's a relatively good price. But also seeing people that are charging 15 pound a session and doing 12 sessions a day. By the time they've hit session number three, they're starting to lag. By the time they've hit session number six, they're they're glazed over and by the time you've hit session number 12 the last seven clients have had an absolute shit show of a session so you know the whole point of this comes back to the start is is it's all about the client if you can't show up for the client because you're too tired you need to change things you need to make things you need to make things different and you need to you need to a look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself your clients get a, a worse you know they get a worse service and at the end of the day that's what personal training or online coaching about is about giving the best service, best quality service that you can. And if something like tiredness, you know, it would probably be the same thing if you were working with a thousand online co- clients. Like, you maybe need to back that off a bit. Well, yeah, yeah this month- is, before I took on you and uh, Catherine and Shona, I was doing 70 check-ins, like back to back, and it's not, it's not fun anymore. And also they're not getting as good a service. And like, I would, you know, I'd properly sit down and do them, not half after the stuff. Like I would be like this weekend, I'm blocking off. I'm just doing check-ins. And I would do that because I care about my reputation so much, but yeah. did I enjoy it by the end? Like, no, I was starting to resent it. I started to be like, I don't really want to do this anymore. And I know that even with my best like intentions at heart, that last check-in was nowhere near as good as the first one. Yeah. And that's it. And it's about, but it's also, it's about knowing your, knowing your limitations. And I think this is where, for me, um, the, the for me, coaching shouldn't be driven by the income. It shouldn't be driven by money. It should be driven by customer service, and then money comes after that. So if you give good quality, good customer service, money is a byproduct of that. So mm-hmm. if you're smart, trying to do a thousand clients, like yeah, the money's going to be amazing, but. Your clients are going to get shit service. They're not going to last for very long. You know, look at the number of people through like the EC method, through commit to six, your one-to-one stuff. How many people you retain? Like retention of clients is massive and it's got to be to do with the fact that you're giving them good customer service alongside the fact that you're pumping out loads of free content. You've got a program that's set up for them that they have everything they need. Whereas, you know, if you were trying to do all that by yourself and even more clients, you imagine like the quality of that is just going to drop and the client's not going to get the best out of it and you're going to last for a little bit before you end up losing your marbles yeah I, that's such a good point about the the quality of the product like good marketing sells once but great coaching will sell forever and and, and people will yeah. want to stay and then once you start getting a bad re- reputation of like oh yeah i signed up for that but emailed her three times she didn't reply like ridiculous right I wouldn't obviously that would never happen but the only way that those kind of programs are still getting numbers in 
is massive ad spend because it's just like kind of a numbers game and it's just a churn rate and yeah you know what if you want to invest thousands and thousands of in ads and that's going to cost you in your profit margin as well maybe you do want to do that but it's not like it's not the model that i that i play yeah. and I, I agree with what you mean re money and this is where i think some other mentors kind of take my words and butcher them a little bit like i care about money i care about making all my oh yeah, yeah. good money like you need money to be financially secure. You need money to be a good coach. You need money to not be stressed about money. You need money to stay in the industry, right? But it, you're right in that it shouldn't be the end focus. And sometimes it, it like a good analogy is like scale weight. Like, do you know what? As much as some people won't like this, anti-diet people, your weight does matter for your health. Like you don't yeah. want to be wildly underweight or wildly overweight. Much like you don't want your finances to be really, really low because then you're going to be struggling. But it's focusing on the process of getting there that matters as opposed to focusing on the out output. Like you'll know that your clients who are always focused on weight tend to be pretty damn unhappy. Now, coaches that are always focused on income are also pretty damn unhappy because they don't enjoy the process of doing it. And as Andy's saying, it's a byproduct. If you're a really yeah. good coach and you can communicate well, and I would kind of package in marketing with communication because marketing is essentially showing your value. Take it back down to the fundamental. Marketing is being able to show how good a coach you are, what value you give to people, what results you can get, what you can do, what your product is, what your service is. That is marketing. That's as simple as it is. And I would package that within communication. If you can do those things, then as a byproduct, you will make a ton of money. But it's not the point of it. The point of it is like, how freaking cool is it that I get to help all these people? And genuinely, mm. like we make quite a lot of money on the EC method. But what what is so much more important to me is like, we've had like 4,000 people do it. That is like, it's freaking incredible. Like whenever I send the numbers to Chloe and I love that she's on the same page, like those numbers also come from Stripe, right? It's the number of customers. Yeah. So it's on the same page as profit. And both of us always look at how many customers have we had, not total profit. But also, I bet your fiver that you look at it as this is how many people we've helped. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thought process. And if you can help people, you're creating a service, you're going to get money. It's it's yeah, exactly. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. But I think it's you know people get it backwards. Let's focus on the money. And then I'll think about helping people later on. No, 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 no. Do it the other way around. Well, because this, this is exactly what you hear people say. Right, if you want to make a 10K month, that means you're going to need this amount of clients paying this amount of money. Yeah. And I'm like, why well, think it like, okay, fine. If if that is your goal, fine, for sure. Like, that's a good way to think yeah. about it. But if that's your goal, you're probably in the wrong place. <laughs> like, I'm not saying you won't get there and beyond working with us. Yeah. It's not but it's all, but it's also as well, like, you know, for me, it's just, it's, for me, life's about being a good human being. Like, just don't be a dick. It's as simple as that. But so many business coaching products that are on the market just now is about trying to tap into people's unhappiness, pain points. And I just don't, I, I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because as much as I come across as a bit of a bell end, I'm just not a dick as a human being. And I would never, ever stoop as low to actually try and target somebody's weakness to try and sell them something. That's why I've always mouthed off about Herbalife and all these MLM shit shows 
because they take somebody's weakness, in which case something like Herbalife or whatever other guff it is, they're taking somebody's weakness, which it probably is their weight, and they're making them feel really shitty so that they buy a product. And it's the same thing with a number of business coaches trying to go give it the whole thing of, oh, you know, just just cut back on this this month and you can afford coaching because, you know, that's the thing that's worth it. Well, how are you going to do this now when you've got a fucking cost of living crisis coming up? You've got gas is going, electric's going through the roof. What, you're just not going to heat your house for a month? Whereas if you... I think it's such a good point, like, when you said focusing on how shit people feel. How much yeah. more exciting is it? Like, every time I do a call for AFM or, for, for like, any coaching service, I don't normally do sales calls for other ones, but... I'm, I'm not talking about like how shit they, they feel right now. I'm talking about how amazing they could feel in the future. And like, that's such a nicer way to sell and how your clients will get better results because of it, because they'll be signing up, not from a place of hate and shame, but from a place of, I'm really excited to do all these things to make myself feel my absolute best. Our You've already given them motivation. Because we literally set them up with that mindset. These are things you can do for yourself that are going to make you feel your best and live your happiest, healthiest life. As opposed to, Andy, think about how shit you feel right now. Think about all these things. I'm offering you a solution, but like, look, you, you, you're you not wearing, I don't know, your Speedos. Like, you're not doing this. You're not like, do you have any confidence left? Blah, blah, blah. Like, making people feel like crap. <laughs> like, no, that's not my job. I make people feel good for a living. That's literally my job yeah. is to make people feel their best. That's it. And that's, I think that's the process in a nutshell communication and keeping people engaged happy and but you know what not even just happy you've got the the whole thing about life is life is an utter shit show we've seen that from the past however many years of fucking covid fucking russia invading ukraine it can be an absolute nightmare of a, a nightmare but if you are if you can find these little things that help bring people up and can make somebody smile or can give them a win, give them some progress, give them a little progress marker where they can tick them off and they're making they're making progress. Like that's the stuff that matters. That's where you that's and as I said previously, that's where the money comes from. That's where your byproduct is money because you're doing these things. Not telling somebody that they fucking, you know, you need to give up that you need to give up a coffee a day so that you can get in better shape. Well, you know, it's not a good for me, that's just not a good. I've I've always been about positivity and looking for silver linings and dark clouds and being happy and trying to be forward thinking rather than trying to bully somebody into bully somebody into a process because that's pretty much what it is yeah and it, it will show in your coaching program as well can you imagine if we force everyone to sign up to commit to six versus how amazing it is now because everyone wants to be there they've chosen you get to, to be there. here and then it's yeah. like you know then then our first call will be like we want you to change from a place of love despite the fact in our sales call, we were just basically telling you to change from a place of hate because of all these pain points and the things that you hate about your body. Like, it, yeah, it's not a congruent message. Um, we're yes. going to have to wrap up there because I'm jumping on my next call. But that's <laughs> phenomenal, Andy. Thank you so much for your time and your brain and your expertise. You are knowledge. more than welcome. It's been great fun. We will be back soon, no doubt. Yeah.